0: Hi, I'm Jen. I'm Sophia. I'm Serena.
1: And I'm Jason.
0: And you're listening to Every Romcom, the podcast where we have fun taking romantic comedies seriously. This week on Every Romcom, we're
2: continuing the self help series with a movie based on a popular dating self help book.
3: We'll discuss dating and relationship self help books and whether they've been useful in our lives.
1: We'll talk about the careers of Jennifer Goodwin. Justin Long, and a screenwriting duo responsible for several popular romantic films.
0: And we'll give our rankings for the best and worst storylines in the 2009 ensemble romantic comedy, He's Just Not That Into You. hello welcome everybody hi hello hello i'm really excited um, to have three people as guests today and sophia serena always glad to be talking with you and really excited to welcome back jason jason kleeberg is from the force 5 movie podcast and we'll talk to him a little bit about what's going on on his show later but thank you so much for coming back on jason
1: Thanks for having me. I I don't envy whoever has to edit an audio track of four people, but good luck.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I like the energy though. It's really fun to have like a bunch of people discuss one movie because you get so many interesting viewpoints on it. That's true. Yeah. So today we are start we're continuing the self-help series. And this week we're doing a movie based on a dating and relationship self-help book. So we haven't really done that genre yet in the series. And I mean, I sure Many of our listeners know this is an enormously popular genre of self-help books. Some of them are kind of more legit. They're written by professional psychologists or academics. Things like the seven principles for making marriage work or the five love languages are actually written by you know psychologists or psychotherapists. Other things like he's just not that into you that we're covering this week or think like a man that we're going to cover next week are just kind of lay people giving their own opinions based on their personal experience. And while some of the genre seeks to help you cultivate great relationships in kind of a a nice and healthy way, like The Offline Dating Method by Camille Virginia, or Loving Bravely by Alexandra H. Solomon, other books are written to kind of help the reader manipulate people, like The Pickup Artist Culture from Neil Strauss's The Game from 2005. And then there's The Rules from 1995, which encouraged women to be, quote, easy to be with, but hard to get. So these self-help books kind of like become part of our culture and they become like part of our lexicon too. I mean, he's just not that into you who hasn't heard that before. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm wondering if any of you have read any of these self-help dating and relationship books, or at least have heard of them enough to like follow any of their practices. I do
3: remember when he's just not that into you came out. And I, I do think that it did kind of opened my eyes as to some things that i didn't realize before so yeah i do think sometimes these things these books do help what specifically do you remember serena Uh, like what was eye-opening i mean to be i mean i think a lot of it's very very like personal but like I, I had sure. a very hard time um, with relationships when I was like in my 20s up until my 30s. Like I didn't, for some reason, I just couldn't get a grasp on it. So I remember do mm. like reading a lot of those things and listening to to YouTube and, and things like that about relationships and trying to figure out like what mm. I was doing wrong, basically.
2: Oh, <laughs> did you find it was
3: you or was it them? <laughs> I think it was a
0: combination of
3: both, to be honest. Okay.
0: Yeah, Sophia and Jason, have either of you read any of these types of books or like whether went in the dating phase or in the marriage phase? I mean, I have and I'll talk about that, but I'm kind of curious about mm-hmm. the rest of you.
1: Uh, I'll jump in and say no, I I will be completely <laughs> honest when it comes to these kind of books. I am as naive as it gets. Wow. I didn't even know that this movie that we watched was based on a book until <laughs> you started talking about it being based on a book. So no, I I have not.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. So have you heard of stuff like the five love languages and all that stuff? Because to me, that's like, everybody must know about that, right? Like, have you heard of this stuff?
1: Yeah. The five love languages I am familiar with, and I'm familiar with like, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, but those are probably the only two that I've ever heard of.
0: Okay. So they've sort of penetrated your, penetrated your, um, I don't know, awareness, at least. Do you know what your love language is? Like, did you get that far?
1: Yeah, yeah. I Like, my wife and I do talk about that stuff once in a while, but um, like, I haven't read the book. I just know what they are.
0: Sure, sure, sure. So even sure, people sure. who aren't reading these books like yeah, it can be part it can it can become part of our lives kind of. And and you yeah. swear you weren't involved in the pickup artist stuff from the early 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> I watched
1: Hitch. If it, if that was a product of the game.
0: I, I think I mean, oh, that's a good I that's actually a really like clever um association actually. I didn't even think of yeah. doing Hitch for this, but Hitch would have been a great addition to this series actually. It's not based on a book, but it's certainly going with the whole dating coach, you know, thing yeah. that became kind I of did, big. I, I like that movie and I didn't even think of it. Good one. And, and Soph, how about you? Have you read any of these types of things? Yeah, I'll go
2: ahead and, you know, we know that it, for previous listeners, I talk a lot about college and, and a very um, Christian environment. I'm mean, still a Christian, but yeah, uh, it was a little maybe mm, toxic back in the day and the hot book when i was in college was i kissed dating goodbye does anybody did that hit anybody's radar out there in the world i
0: I have heard of it but only because associated with like people who read didn't the person who wrote that actually even like am i am i wrong about this or did the person who write that actually come out against it now i have to google later on
2: in life he's like i didn't know what i was talking about he's sadly he's divorced now yeah it's yeah but that was hot when i was in college and there was another one in, in our circle called um lady in waiting and uh <laughs> shut up bitches. it was awesome no i'm kidding it's a joke um it was it was it it's just a whole nother language so and, yeah. and that was
0: basically stuff about like wait till marriage kind of stuff is that it right it was wait like- till
2: marriage and You know, we haven't gotten into this book yet, but what I took from it, that it was actually the one valuable thing that I gleaned was like, what are characteristics of a person that you, you know, integrity and, you know, values kinds of things, not like, you know, a hot surfer who plays guitar, like that kind of thing, not the superficial necessarily, but like, what are you, you know, qualities you want in a person that you would like to spend your life with? Like, that was thoughtful.
0: Sure. So. Yeah, we'll have more time to talk about the, yeah this actual book towards the end of the mm-hmm. show. But yeah, yeah, because I read yeah. it, I, I read it. You read it, Sophia. And I Serena, did. did. Did you read it a long time ago? Serena? I read it a long time ago. I haven't reread okay. it. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it was the first time reading it for me, so it was same. Interesting. Same. <laughs> so for me, like I have benefited a lot from different relationship and uh, self help books. I would definitely recommend things, things that are a little bit to the side, like nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosenberg. I would recommend that to anybody because it's really the thing that improved my relationship with my husband the most, just like avoiding fights by like just really listening and understanding each other's feelings. So useful. I think the ethical slut is about open relationships, but there's a lot in there for people in any kind of relationship, just about dealing with your jealousies and insecurities and thinking about what are the agreements you want for your relationship that can be really useful. And then I started looking at some other dating books preparing for this episode. And I found this really nice one at our library and it's called the offline dating method by Camille Virginia. And it's basically based on the premise that people are online too much. They're doing the apps. The apps are not really working for them. And what would it be like if you could just go out in your daily life and meet people in real life, like people used to. And she gives you like really good tips for being accessible and also approaching people and just making genuine conversation And whether that results in a date or just like a new friend or just like a nice conversation, it doesn't matter. So I found that book like super refreshing. So I would recommend that for people who are actively dating at the moment. And then finally, I want to give a shout out to the book Attached by Amir Levine and Rachel S. F. Heller. That's about attachment theory, which I didn't know anything about prior to this year. It's kind of a newer philosophy or theory that they've come up with about why some people really want to get into relationships quickly while other people avoid them. And some people are kind of going back and forth. So I thought those were all super interesting. And I I just, I love this stuff. Like I read it a lot because I'm always trying to like, just do a little better, I guess, you know, even if you have a nice marriage or a relationship, you can still, you know, learn new things. Sure. Yep. And um, also there's a ton of YouTube channels out there too. Serena, do you do any of the YouTube channels anymore or like um, I know like you'd mentioned mentioned what's his name Michael Hussey, Matthew Hussey
3: okay Matthew that's his Hussey. name that's his name um I've seen a ton of his stuff he's like all over the place and his stuff's pretty yeah uh, pretty relatable oh you know a new
2: one that's out um I like Jay Shetty he's on my calm app and uh he's got a book out called eight rules of love Hot new That book on all the shelves that you know you're targeting your walmart
1: Eight rules. That's so many rules.
2: (laughs) (laughs) How to find it, keep it, and
0: let it go. All right. Cool. Well, we've got some recommendations anyway. So if you're in need of like a book or a YouTube channel, we've got a couple for you there. I'd also recommend if if you're interested in attachment theory, but you don't want to read a book, Thais Gibson of the Personal Development School has a really good YouTube channel on that. So there's a lot of good stuff out there. And let us know what you're using for self-help for relationships and dating. And maybe we'll give you a shout out on a future show. And now speaking of shows, um, Jason, I wanna talk to you a little bit about what's going on with the Force 5 movie podcast.
1: Oh, we've got some really good shows coming up. By the time you're hearing this, top five Coen Brothers films will be up. That's uh, (laughs) Actually, it's top five Coen Brothers characters, which is even a a deeper pool. Mm, That's Mm. right. Um,
0: Yeah, you were posting about that on Twitter. I'm super excited to hear that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was a fun show. That one's a, a screenwriter that was on for that one. We've got top five films of 2022. So I'm finally doing like my my recap of last year. I got top five South Korean films. And then what oh. I'm really excited to record, and I, I'm sure everybody will come up with their own top five for this, is five films that scarred you as a child.
0: Oh, <laughs> awesome. I can't wait to write in about that because I've got a crazy one for that when the time comes. So, Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) That's amazing. Good stuff. Yeah, Jason's Force 5 podcast is such a good show. So you definitely want to check that out, listeners. Um, And you you can see that at force5podcast.com. And where else would you like to send people, Jason?
1: Really, anywhere you're listening to this, you can listen to Force 5. So it doesn't matter to me where you listen, just as long as you check it out.
0: Yeah, and definitely, also, I'm going to tell them to follow you on Twitter, too, though. I just can't remember your handle.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's force5pod on Twitter. Yeah, I know a lot more about movies than I do self-help books.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, he knows a ton (laughs) about movies. Really great. So just check that out. So go ahead and listen to Jason's podcast, too. So great. And before we get started with our podcast today, a few notes. First, as usual, there will be a spoiler-free section at the beginning of the episode, but the spoilers are going to start a lot earlier than usual this episode, because we're going to be ranking storylines from the movie. So listen up for that spoiler warning once we start getting into the movie discussion.
2: We'd also like to remind you that you can follow the podcast on social media. Our Facebook page is every romcom, podcast and blog. Our Instagram is at every romcom, and our Twitter handle is at every
3: ROmcom pod. And as always, you can find the podcast at everyromcom.com. Send us feedback at feedback at everyromcom.com. And if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And now let's listen to part of the trailer for He's Just Not That Into You.
1: A girl will never forget the first boy she ever likes. Why did you do that? Because you smell like dog poop. Honey, do you know why that little boy did those things? Because he likes you. That's the beginning
3: of our problem. We're all programmed to believe that if a guy acts like a total jerk, that means he likes you. Hey, Connor, I hadn't heard from you. And, I mean, how stupid
0: is it that a gal's got to wait for a guy's call anyway, right? We're all equal, right? Um more women are accepted into law school now
3: than men call me he's totally gonna call
1: this guy he myspaced me ouch
2: myspace is a new booty
1: call oh you know annie gave me the old i'll call you right back should i call back should you call back no i know i'm gonna call back and say i'm going to bed what no it's a, a genius idea it's 9 30 i just need you to stop being nice to me unless you're gonna marry me this feels like a trick There are many people who never get married.
3: look at Al Pacino. Never been married. Happy as a clam. Would that, am I, would I be Al Pacino in this scenario? You
1: have no messages. Were you obsessing pacing back and forth, staring at your phone for days?
3: Maybe he lost my number, or is out of town, or
1: got hit by a cab. Or maybe he has no interest in seeing you again. No guy actually wants to get married. And if they do, all they're really thinking about are all the women they're going to miss out on. I don't want to be with anybody else. I just want to be with Beth. I'm married. I'll do this.
2: Hmm.
0: What if you meet the love of your life? Are you supposed to let them pass you by? So we're
1: friends. Yeah. You know, you may be the best friend I've ever had. (laughs) From New Line Cinema comes a comedy about meaning what you say. I gotta go to bed, though. Is that an invitation? What? Without (laughs) saying what you mean. Oh,
0: God, that was cheesy. What did that tagline even mean? Meaning what you say without saying what you mean? Does that make sense to anybody? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We may as Uh, well get into the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's get into this. Let's get into this.
2: He's Just Not That Into You came out in February 6th, 2009. Directed by Ken Kwapis. Written by Abby Cohn, Mark Silverstein, Greg Berendt, And based on the book of the same name by Greg Berendt and Liz Ticillo. It's starring Jennifer Goodwin, Justin Long, Jennifer Aniston, Ben Affleck, Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Conley, Scarlett Johansson,
3: Kevin Connolly, and Drew Barrymore. So the premise of He's Just Not That Into You, um, it's an ensemble romantic comedy with many interlocking stories. Uh, The stories are all themed around the advice from the 2004 book, He's Just Not That Into You, which basic idea is that if a man isn't moving a relationship forward, it can only mean that he's not interested and you should cut your losses and move on. The stories in the movies include several single women trying to date, a woman starting an affair with a married man, the married man's wife and her growing suspicions, and a woman living with a man who says he doesn't believe in marriage. Some of these stories resolve happily, and others don't. Some of the endings prove the rules set forth in the book, while a few are exceptions to the book's rules.
0: Yeah, and and there's a few interesting facts about He's Just Not That Into You. The biggest interesting fact about this um, movie, though, is that this is a movie based on a book which was based on an episode of the television show Sex and the City. I'm not sure how many movies have that pedigree, you know? Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Specifically, it's based on um, season six, episode four of Sex in the City and a section where Carrie's boyfriend, Berger, of the post-it note, (laughs) explains to Miranda (laughs) that a guy she went out with just isn't that into her. And just for everybody's edification, I'm going to play a little clip of that exchange on the show.
2: So, he kissed me goodnight at the door, I invited him up, he couldn't because he had an early meeting, we kissed again, and he said he'd call. Two kisses? Very promising. You think? Even
0: though he didn't come up? Definitely. It means he likes you, but he wants to take it slow. That's nice. Berger, what do you think?
1: really want to know?
2: Please, I would love to have a man's opinion for a change.
1: All right, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. He's just not that idiot.
3: That's not true. Don't listen to him. to him. Oh no no, I'm I'm intrigued. Elaborate.
1: Look, I'm sorry, but when a guy's really India, he's
0: coming upstairs, meeting or no meeting.
1: Oh. That is ludicrous. What about extenuating circumstances? What about you're stressed out, you're on deadline, you have a migraine?
3: Or a lot of guys are afraid of getting their feelings hurt and they don't want to ruin a friendship. Or or, or they're freaked out by their own feelings. There's a lot of push-pull
2: out there, a lot of mixed messages.
1: Yeah, I'd have to say that's all code for he's just not that india. I'm sorry, but with guys, it's very simple. If we're into you, we're coming upstairs. We're booking the next date. There are no mixed messages.
0: Yeah, so do you guys see that when it came out, by the way? I did, yeah. No. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah, I was a big SATC person too, Serena, so I saw that. So when when it became a book, I was like, oh yeah, look at that. It's from the Sex and the City episode. And then it became a movie, and I'm like, this is really strange. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so the two Sex and the City writers, Greg Barrent and Liz Tuchillo, made that episode into a whole dating advice book. And it came out in 2004. By 2009, their dating advice book had already sold over 2 million copies and had been featured on the Oprah Winfrey show. So this was like a whole societal phenomenon. So then these authors of the original book, Barent and Tuchillo, also have cameos in the movie as pastors presiding over weddings. (laughs) So if you go back and rewatch the movie, look out for the people, you know, doing the weddings and you will see the authors of the book. And let's see, Drew Barrymore plays, of course, a small role, not a cameo, but a small role in the film. And her production company, Flower Films, actually co-produced this movie with New Line Cinema. Some other interesting facts about the movie. It's set in Baltimore, Maryland, which is a little bit unusual for a rom-com. You usually get an L.A. or a New York setting. They actually did film in Baltimore for about two weeks. Originally, the movie was going to have a lot more Baltimore locations, but I guess for budgetary reasons, they, you know, kind of passed on that. And the movie had a budget of $40 million. Given the amount of star power they have in this movie, that's pretty good, I would say. It went on to gross $178 million worldwide. So this is another one of these like stealth hits. You know what I mean? Amazing.
1: Like we, yeah. were, talking,
0: yeah, we were talking about Yes Man with um, David Rosen, you know, from Piecing It Together. And he was so shocked that Yes Man made as much as it did because he didn't feel its cultural impact. But some of these movies just like really do, do super well. And mm-hmm. yet they don't really penetrate certain parts of the film going community, you know?
1: I wonder if this one coming out like the week of Valentine's day or the week before Valentine's mm-hmm. day, if mm. this was a huge number one, a huge date movie. And also number two, one of those movies where people almost regretted going to it with the <laughs> Valentine date afterwards. <laughs>
0: Oh, man! That's funny! That's awesome, and you're probably one hundred percent right <laughs> like are fantastic. you are you picturing a scenario where like the lady starts questioning whether the guy really likes her after going to this movie with her or like um the oh, people one hundred
1: percent hundred percent like can you imagine the amount of first dates that went to this the awkward exchange at the end of the night when it was time to go home or part oh God, ways.
0: yeah <gasps> uh. Honestly, I'm more worried about like the people who've been living together for three years and one of them wants to get married and the other doesn't. Yeah. That's... <laughs> that's,
2: that's
0: Why funny. can't you be more like Ben Affleck? No, sorry. Right. I'm already <laughs> spoiling it. Okay, no spoiling yet. So he's just not that into you as an ensemble romantic comedy and right away I thought about Love Actually from 2003 possibly being an influence on the way this was you know, kind of structured because you didn't mm. see a lot of that type of movie until Love Actually and you know, like just as a way of kind of having all these telling stories based around a theme basically. And then, but after this one was a success too, there was this like giant group of these ensemble romantic comedies and they were, and yeah, and Jason, you were talking about um, with somebody on Twitter about like Valentine's day. It's a terrible Mm. movie. It's another one of these. It's much (laughs) worse. So there was Valentine's day in 2010, new year's Eve in 2011, Think like a man in 2012, which is actually pretty good and we're going to cover next. But then I think it really jumped the shark when they did what to expect when you're expecting in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> There's have any of you guys seen that one? No, no, know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, don't, don't, don't do it. Okay. Uh, let, me, let me, you know, those pregnancy scenes in movies where somebody's ha- these labor scenes in movies where somebody's having a baby. and Like, you're just like, let's get through this. Yeah, there's a, whole, there's a whole fucking montage of them in this movie. So, oh, maybe, man, yeah, oh, fun. <laughs> anyway, OK, so after that one, I think they fell off a little bit, these ensemble rom-coms, but it was definitely a thing that happened for a while in Hollywood. Like, make me another one, like base it around a holiday or something. And one final note, this is probably not super important, but I noticed that both Bradley Cooper and Louis Guzman appear in this movie, and they yeah. also appeared in Yes Man, which we did on an earlier episode okay so interesting facts out of the way uh let's briefly like tell our general opinion of the movie as a whole like and you can say when did you see it what did you think of it then and what do you think of it now serena why don't we start with you actually because i think you may uh, have seen it before
3: i did i don't uh, i don't know when i first saw this I, and i don't know if i saw it in a theater but i have seen it before um i it's not like my favorite movie, but it's, it's entertaining enough. It holds my attention enough that to enjoy it. I found a lot of the, the scenarios relatable. Yeah, so overall, I, it's, I like it. It's good. It's watchable.
0: Yeah, I have about the same experience with this movie that you do. I'm pretty sure I didn't see it in a theater, but I've watched it a lot of times over the years. It's just one of those like serviceable rom-coms you can put on in the background and you don't have to pay all your attention to it, but you can tune in and out when you want to. And there's parts that I find relatable, like stories that I find relatable. And there's nothing I find 100% unrelatable. I guess like there's something in each of the characters and each of the stories that I can kind of, you know, relate to or empathize with. So yeah. I don't think it's like great art at all, but like I think it's a well-constructed movie for what it is. And I mean, there's so much star power in this movie and they're all doing their best. So, yeah. I have a feeling the other opinions aren't going to be as generous, but I I'm looking forward to hearing them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> How can you tell? How can you tell, Jen? I don't like it. I didn't see it in the I didn't see it back in 2009. I watched it twice for this and the second time was really difficult
0: how does it rate on your she's the man scale of Ooh, what did i it demoted that in the middle of the podcast yeah uh what was above, my- or b- above or below she's the man uh, above above or below once bitten oh above <laughs> okay okay <laughs> now i know where it is in your sophia scale okay and jason, jason. how about yourself
1: you know, this is a movie uh, genre that's kind of totally out of my wheelhouse. As you probably know, I'm more of like the genre horror action movie sure. person. But I went to went in with an open mind and absolutely hated this film. <laughs> 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 I, I really tried but, to pull uh, good things yeah. out of it. And when, oh, when you asked me to rate the, the stories, uh-huh. uh, I was working with my wife to try and like work backwards from the one I hated the <laughs> <Yes>. least.
0: <laughs> uh, th- me too, Jason. High five. So <laughs> High five. <laughs> you are just not that into this movie either of you. So um, yeah. No. We had to say that. All right. Yeah, Jason, sorry. I'll I'll invite you to something you like more next time, but <laughs>
1: No, I, you know, what? I'm always game for these because there's always going to be good conversation regardless.
0: Oh, yeah. hundred percent. I think so, too. Yeah. OK, so I guess now that we've got our initial opinion out of the way, we will now go to the cast and crew. All right. So this movie has a huge cast. Uh,
3: we've already covered some of their careers on previous episodes of every rom-com. For more information on Scarlett Johansson, check out episode 13 on Lost in Translation. For more information on Ben Affleck, check out episode 34 on Chasing Amy. And for more information on Drew Barrymore, check out episode 36 on The Wedding Singer.
0: Now we'll talk about our female lead for this movie. It is an ensemble romantic comedy, but um, Jennifer Goodwin is given kind of the narration at the beginning and at the end. So she is basically the main character of the movie. So Jennifer Goodwin plays Gigi. Uh, She was born in 1978 and began acting in high school, and she actually has some pretty interesting dramatic school chops. She studied Shakespeare with the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, and she trained with the Royal Shakespeare Company in London um, earlier in her life. So I did not know that about her. That's pretty cool. Her first TV appearance was an episode of Law & Order in 2001, and her first role in a feature film was Mona Lisa Smile in 2003. And some of her Other early work includes the TV show Ed, which also featured Justin Long, who's her love interest, and he's just not that into you. She was in Win a Date with Tad Hamilton, and she played Johnny Cash's first wife in Walk the Line. Goodwin's breakout role was in the TV series Big Love, where she appeared as Bill Paxton's third wife, Marjean, in a Mormon plural marriage. And I love the show Big Love, so I'm kind of a fan of hers from that. He's Just Not That Into You in 2009 was her first lead role in a rom-com, and she's only really had one other feature film romantic comedy as the lead, which is Something Borrowed in 2011, and I think I'm probably talking about that into Double Features later, so you'll hear more about that. And also in 2011, Goodwin began appearing as Snow White on the show Once Upon a Time. She met her husband, Josh Dallas, on that show. He portrayed her TV love interest, Prince Charming, which... That is adorable. And Dallas and Goodwin have two children together. In addition to these shows and movies, Goodwin has also done voice acting, including in Robot Chicken and Zootopia in 2016. And in 2019, Goodwin appeared in the shows Why Women Kill, Dolly Parton's Heartstrings and The Twilight Zone. Most recently, in 2022, Goodwin appeared in the TV shows Pivoting and Zootopia Plus, And she's currently in pre-production on Buddy Games 2. So she's, you know, she's still doing some stuff. I think um, her acting seems to have been a little less regular, probably since she started a family, which, you know, kind of makes sense, probably.
2: I think she's great.
0: Yeah, I like her, too. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, I really like her, too. And I wish she'd actually been the lead in more rom-coms, to be honest. So, yeah.
1: All right, let's talk about uh, Justin Long. I'm so glad I get to talk about him because I, in this huge ensemble cast of actors, I thought he was the best one. Justin Long, born in 1978. His mother, Wendy Lesniak, was a Broadway actress. His first IMDb credit was for Galaxy Quest in 1999, a great movie there. And then he joined the show Ed in 2000. In 2001, he appeared in his first horror role in Jeepers Creepers and then reprised his role in Jeepers Creepers 2. Other work before He's Just Not That Into You included the movies Crossroads, Dodgeball, Herbie Fully Loaded, Waiting, which is a hilarious movie with Mm -hmm. Ryan Reynolds, The Breakup, Accepted uh, idiocracy, live free or die hard. Zach and Miri make a porno and Alvin and the chipmunks for which he's done three sequels or squeakles. We call those right. The squeakles.
0: <laughs> I was, I was just uh, going to say like that list of movies, just like right there. I've seen and loved so many of the things he's in. So yeah, he had a great yeah, um, he, career. Even he great
1: projects. Like... Yeah. He's continued to work steadily since He's Just Not That Into You. He appeared in several other movies in 2009, including Drag Me to Hell, which is a great horror movie, Serious Moonlight, Funny People, and Youth in Revolt. In 2010, he co-starred with then-girlfriend Drew Barrymore in the rom-com Going the Distance. They met while working on He's Just Not That Into You. In 2013, he produced, co-wrote, and starred in the romantic comedy A Case of You opposite one of my crushes, Evan Rachel Wood. Have uh, any of you seen that movie?
0: I did. I did see it. I watched it before this podcast. I wasn't like super into it, but it, man, it does have like a deep cast of supporting actors. Have you seen it?
1: No, I haven't seen it. I need, I I probably should though.
0: It's got like Peter Dinklage. It's just this random like barista who's kind of like a this random sarcastic barista and like Brendan Fraser shows up like, as like this, like, like bit character. Just like, I didn't think it was the greatest rom-com, but like, like the random appearances by awesome actors was like, just blowing my mind. Sorry. I'm just like, (laughs) I'm not expressing it too well, but like, yeah, it's worth it. Sort of the Peter Dinklage of it all. Yeah. You got me curious.
2: So
1: Yeah. yeah. Great cast. I'll check it out. In uh, 2014, he starred in the Kevin Smith horror film Tusk, which is just absolutely grotesque. <laughs> uh, obviously, he had worked with Smith on Zack and Miri, but then he began his Kevin Smith run doing uh, Yoga Hosers, JN Silent Bob Reboot, and a cameo in Clerks 3, as well as doing voice work for Smith's 2021 TV series, Masters of the Universe Revelation. He appeared on a number of TV shows in the mid-2010s, including New Girl, Drunk History, F is for Family, The Connors, and Skylanders Academy. Long also continued appearing in movies including Ghost Team, Literally, Right Before Aaron, After Class, The Wave, and Lady of the Manor, which he also co-wrote and produced. Recently, Long starred in the 2022 movies Barbarian, which uh, is one of my favorite movies of 2022, House of Darkness, and Christmas with the Campbells. And he has several upcoming projects, the horror movies Dear David and Spin the Bottle, which are in post-production, and he's in production on the TV series Goosebumps, speaking of things that may have scarred you as a child.
0: <laughs> I was too old already, but yeah, somebody. It scarred somebody. Yeah, I love Justin Long. He has great energy. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say for me that it's the best performance in the movie, but I always find Justin Long relatable and fun to watch, like no matter what. So, yeah.
2: The writers of this film are Abby Cohn and Mark Silverstein. They are frequent writing partners who met while attending usc they both made their feature writing debut with the 1999 drew barrymore rom-com never been kissed i enjoyed that when it came out (laughs) he's just not that into you was their second feature writing project immediately following uh he's just not that into you they had a story credit on valentine's day another ensemble rom-com released in 2010 in 2012, they co-wrote The Vow, loosely based on the true story of a wife losing all memory of her
0: husband after a car accident. Isn't that one of your favorites, I love the, Jen? I love The Vow. And Jason, you like Rachel McAdams, yes? I believe. I, I remember that. I
1: do. I, I do. I have seen that movie because I like her and my wife loves Channing Tatum. So yes, yeah. we have seen The Vow.
0: Lynn, I, I, I love The Vow. I, can't, I think you maybe not don't love it the way I love it, but I love that movie. I think they have great chemistry in that so. <laughs>
1: I will say it is in my Blu-ray collection, but I will probably never watch it again.
2: (laughs) In 2016, they co-wrote How to Be Single with another screenwriter, Dana Fox. This movie was based on another book by Liz Ticillo, the co-writer of the book. He's just not that into you. In 2018, they co-wrote and co-directed the Amy Schumer film, I Feel Pretty. And they are currently in pre-production as co-directors and co-writers on the musical comedy Fantasy Camp, which will star Jennifer Gardner. According to IMDb, it's about a middle school teacher who pursues her Broadway dreams while attending a performance arts camp for adults.
0: I think I'm there for that one. Oh, I knew you would be there for that. I I was like, that's a Sophia movie right there. That's like written for you. It is. It is. It's a me film. And I was going to say that I'm really impressed with, like, these people are not romantic part- partners, these writers. They're not romantic partners. They both have their own partners, but they're managing to screenwrite together and co-direct together. And I really admire people who can co-direct and co-write. Um, I think it's such a skill. Yeah, I, I agree. That's a, that's awesome. I love it. Okay, so we're going to get into the movie. We're not to the spoilers yet. We'll tell you it's coming soon though. but we're going to get into the movie now. And the opening of the movie kind of introduces the premise of this movie. Jennifer Goodwin's Gigi does a narration and we know she's kind of the main character. We're on a playground. There's a little boy insulting a girl saying that she's like a doo-doo head or something. I can't remember. It doesn't really matter. And then the mom says that little boy is mean to you because he likes you, (laughs) which is, which is pretty obnoxious. I know somebody said that to me at least once when I was a child. Did you guys ever get Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Serena. So, did Serena. you ever get that? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, good. You were spared that nonsense. Yeah, okay, yeah, I think it was. And I don't think it happens as much to guys. Like I don't think there's a lot of like girls pulling boys' hair or or things like that. Would that? No, be I n- I
1: never got that as a kid.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> did, did you a- like kick a little girl that you liked?
1: I don't think that was really my mo. No, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I
2: think That vibe from you.
0: So I'm (laughs) I'm glad.
1: (laughs) I was raised better than that.
0: Good. Excellent. So basically, Jennifer Goodwin says that this is where the problem all starts, as we heard in the trailer. People tell us that guys are mean to us, but they really like us, and then we all get confused. And what follows is a montage of women making excuses for why men aren't calling them or treating them properly. And it kind of like does this thing where it starts out like in America, and then it tries to go around the world. And you've got these like two Japanese girls, and then you've got these. This this is like yeah. really sad to see today. These women in Africa talking about maybe he forgot your hut number. Like this is yeah. people's vision of Africa. Like everyone that loves was a hut. strange
1: joke. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. It's so early two thousands though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like. How do we signify Africa? Everyone lives in a hut. I mean, some people do live in a hut, but, you know, yeah, it's it's, it's not great. Um, and the, the diversity in this movie in general is not super great. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of par for the course with this age of filmmaking. But like um, some of the movies like Valentine's Day, despite the fact that the script was terrible, did try to correct for that a little bit um, by having a little more diverse cast. So, yeah we're introduced also to each character at the beginning of the movie. And we kind of get a sense of like what their situation is. And we'll talk about that when we talk about each story. But Jennifer Goodwin's story kind of starts the ball rolling. She has a date with the character Connor, played by Kevin Connolly. And she thinks it's gone really well, but then he doesn't call her. Uh, She's trying to figure out why is he not calling? What should I do? And she eventually goes to his regular bar that he mentioned to try to sort of accidentally run into him. Instead, she runs into Justin Long's character, Alex, who happens to be a friend of Connor's because everyone in this entire movie knows each other. And um, Alex tells her the secret that if a guy doesn't call back, he's just not that into you. Notably, though, he does not say the words, he's just not that into you. Apparently, the screenwriters on purpose did not use the words in the entire film, except for as you see them in print at the beginning. Did you guys notice that? Yeah, I did.
2: And I was wondering,
0: I'm like, that's where he would have said it. And I'm like,
2: Oh, they're not going to do it. So
0: I don't so know how any- I feel
2: about that. I kind of wanted them to.
0: Yeah. Uh, like at least once maybe. Yeah. 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 Okay. So in addition to the beginning, in addition to our main stories, which we're going to rank, there's a series of sort of inset stories throughout the movie. that are kind of pl- plugged in. It's kind of like in Her- when Harry met Sally, where you have the couples telling the stories of how they met. But these are all individuals or groups of people talking about various iterations of people not being into you. And I thought this was kind of a fun technique. It's also like another thing it reminds me of is the first season of Sex and the City where they'd have random single people telling stories as if it were a documentary. And notably, Ken Quapis, the director, directed 13 episodes of The Office. So this would be a style that would be pretty familiar to him, too. And what did you guys think of the inset story technique in general?
1: So I I don't think they were bad, but I do think they were unnecessary for a movie that's over two hours long. If you took them out and just Mm -hmm. had the chapter breaks, you you know, if he, whatever, just had those as chapter breaks, I think it, you know, you could have cut out a couple minutes. And I think that that would have been beneficial.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm with you, Jason. I feel like there were so many characters in storylines and who knows who and what have you, that the first one that popped up this young, young woman, I was like, I'm like, Oh, who's she? Like, where's she going to. So that I felt it wasn't necessary. And yet there's two of the, what were there four that? I liked, (laughs) which ones did you like? Which ones? Um, I liked the two women talking about some, you, you've the way how, how, okay. I have a clip
0: yeah i have a clip of that one
2: so i've got a clip of that one, so,
0: yeah, of that one. Mm-hmm. so i have a clip of the two women but what's the other one the older woman who talks oh, the about- older woman yeah okay interesting my favorite is actually the first girl who comes up who said why'd they even invent color id because she's because she does <laughs> she's that cute. monologue so well she yeah. like she's on one level somewhat relatable because like I do remember being in the position of wanting to call someone and not being able to call them because they would know that I'm calling. I remember Mm -hmm. that feeling. But also she's kind of out of her mind, right? She's like way too obsessed. And like she has that kind of crazy eye look. And I thought Mm -hmm. that actress who did it just performed it so perfectly that I love that story.
3: It's so jarring sometimes to see like technology that was like so recent be so different than what is (laughs) what is now like i was like god this is so dated and it was just like you know 2009 that's that was like my takeaway (laughs) from the caller id part yeah and how different now dating and relationships have
0: become because of that technology you know yeah yeah, we can definitely talk get into that more too as we go into some of the stories. I'll play a little bit of this inset story though that Sophia liked really quick, just to give people a flavor of that.
3: I used to think
2: that I had never been dumped.
3: Yeah, then we started comparing notes, and then we realized, wait a second, we've both been dumped by every man we've ever been with. Everyone. Yeah. But they, they do it so so skillfully. Mm-hmm. So they just. So sneaky. Yeah. Did you think it
2: was your idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're sitting back and you're like, oh, 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 yeah, that's my idea. But wait a second. Why am I alone? Why am I unhappy? Why have I gained 20 pounds? Mm -hmm. They just have mind trick you. Yes, they do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they do a soft pass. Yeah, yeah. They got little lines they like to tell you. Yeah, like oh, I, I don't want to stand in your way. Oh, oh, or you're perfect. It's just I have to work on myself. Right, right. I'm just thinking of your happiness.
3: Oh, I don't deserve you. That's my favorite. Oh, one. Really? oh you know what I like? You know mm. what I don't like. Mm. I am so jealous of the guy who gets
2: to
0: marry you. Well, that could have been you. Yeah. That's what I was leaning towards. Yeah anyway that's a little flavor oh, of the inside you, got, stories. you c-
2: cut off my favorite line where she says then that you know you might as well go down to the store and get yourself some ribs and ice cream and i just really <laughs> like the idea of like ribs and ice cream and i was like that's awesome that's my next like depressed binge food well i'm glad you caught i'm glad something came out of this movie that was good for you sophia thank you thank you there
0: were a couple <laughs> other
2: things there were a couple other things okay we'll get to those
0: Cool. Well, we're actually, unless anybody else wants to say anything about the inset stories, or before we do the spoiler section, we're going to get into the spoilers now. Okay, so this is where the spoiler section is going to begin. If you do not want He's Just Not That Into You spoiled for you, we are now going to talk about everything and anything about the movie, including the ending. So, and we're also now going to begin ranking the, the storylines in the movie. So yeah, spoiler section begins now. Okay, so we did something for this movie where we create we ranked the storylines. We did this also with Love Actually. That was a hilarious episode. I don't know if this one will be as hilarious, but um, hopefully it will at least get something valuable out of the exercise. So basically what I had everybody do was rank the women's stories the, in this movie from one to five, one being the best, five being the worst. Then I added up everyone's scores, and we didn't have any ties this time, which was good. And the people with the lowest total numerical scores were the people that we liked the best. But we're going to start from the back end, the stories that we like the least. And this is going to bring us this time to Scarlett Johansson's character of Anna. So cumulatively, this was the least favorite. It had a score of 16. In Anna's story, the main characters are Scarlett Johansson as Anna, Bradley Cooper as Ben, and Kevin Connolly as Connor. And the basic plot we have for Anna's story, she's an aspiring singer and she has two main relationships with men. Connor, played by Kevin Connolly, she uses for emotional support. They used to sleep together, but they don't anymore. And Ben is a married man that she is pursuing because she thinks they have a special connection. Ben and Anna meet initially at a grocery store and Ben offers to help Anna with her singing career. Anna then talks to her friend Mary, played by Drew Barrymore, who tells a story about a man who left his wife for another woman and how the new couple lived happily ever after. This convinces Anna that she can pursue Ben more aggressively. Anna and Ben then end up having an affair, which continues even after Ben has confessed the affair to his wife. But this affair ends when Ben forces Anna to stand in a closet when his wife comes over to the office. His wife ends up seducing him into having sex while Anna is in the closet and when she comes out of the closet afterwards, she ends their relationship. Anna then tries dating Connor for a while. But when he starts talking about a future together, Anna breaks up with him. And Anna's ending is sad. We see her singing in a club, looking somewhat forlorn at the end of the movie. So that's her basic story. Now we'll talk a little bit about our opinions and our rankings. Um, I'm going to give my opinion first, but let's all first tell her what our ranking was. So I ranked it third. I ranked it third as well.
1: I ranked it fifth.
0: I also ranked it fifth. And fifth, listeners, if you recall, is dead last. So I'm really excited (laughs) to hear about their opinion. (laughs) So, But first, I'm going to tell a little bit why I ranked it third. So I think the main reason I ranked the storyline third is because Scarlett Johansson and Bradley Cooper actually had really good chemistry in this movie. You might not root for their story, but their actors were, I thought, really great together. This is, like, right before both of them were kind of breaking out even bigger. Like, Scarlett Johansson, this is right before she was in Iron Man 2 and she became Black Widow. This is right before Bradley Cooper was in The Hangover. They are both, like, incredibly hot in in this movie. And there's a part of me that just wants them to be together. Like, I know it's, like, it's wrong, and Bradley Cooper's being a total asshat in particular, but they had good chemistry. I liked watching them together. And, you know, I think it was a relatable and realistic story of falling in love with somebody that you should not fall in love with. So I, I thought this story had charisma. I was interested and engaged in it. All right. So what about your rankings? Where? where, where why did you put it where it was?
3: Um, I I feel the same way you did Jed um, in, in that this was like a good story to watch, which is like, it, it intrigued me. Um, like you said, they were, they, I thought they had really good chemistry and, um, not to say that i was like rooting for them but i i was at least like ooh like what's going to
0: happen you know <laughs>
3: kind yeah. of kind of attitude you know like it was like a like a voyeuristic kind of um watching
0: yeah yeah totally
1: i like this one the least and i think it was because everybody in this story felt like extremely frustrating if it wasn't because they were a scumbag, it's because they weren't mm-hmm. doing anything about the scumbag. <laughs> and I know we're gonna talk about Jennifer Connolly later, but I don't know that I've ever been more frustrated with a character before. Wow. But um
2: oh, with her or these characters?
1: With her, yeah. Okay. But I mean, these characters. Bradley Cooper, you know, at, at first he seems like, well, I'm 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 a nice, I'm a good husband. I'm not gonna do this. And then okay. Just even after he is caught, he just Mm -hmm. continues doing doing this. And then it's like um, any sympathy you have for the guy, if if you had any to begin with, Mm -hmm. goes out the window at that moment. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're just they're gross people.
2: (laughs) Yep. I'm with you, Jason. I ranked it a five because no matter how pretty they both are, I was like, you are assholes. And I couldn't get into their storyline because of it. I'm just like, girl, don't do it. Don't call that married man. Throw that card away. You know, so I was just, you know, yelling at them. And uh, and then I felt bad for Connor because he was really into Anna and she Mm -hmm. just kept playing with his affection. And uh, there is a tag at the end of the film about what happens to everybody afterwards. Mm hmm. Do you? Is it okay if I say ben, that? Spoiler
0: like spoiler section, you can say whatever short, you want. Spoiler.
2: So she's gonna go to a to India for a yoga retreat for a few months, and I'm like, that's good, honey. You find yourself, <laughs> and 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 don't do things like that anymore. There you go. And he was a big fat jerk the whole time.
0: <laughs> I I think I just have an incredible capacity either. Like I suck as a person and not because like I can relate to some of these feelings or I just have like an incredible capacity to be sympathetic for characters who do wrong in movies. I think because like, I can like, whereas I don't think any of them are examples. Like for Bradley Cooper, I can understand like you don't want to ruin your marriage because you love your wife, but you're also in love with someone like, you know, I don't believe in being dishonest and lying, but like I completely understand right. like being in love with two people at the same time and not wanting to lose something. And Scarlett Johansson, I completely understand like also just believing that something could happen with this guy. Cause he's not making it look like something couldn't happen. Right. And like, right? and like he right away, like there's a scene where she's like, why are you married again? And right away, right. even in that scene, he's betraying his wife by basically saying, "Well, I didn't really want to get married, but she yeah. kind of forced me to get married." <laughs> and so, what is Scarlett Johansson thinking? She's not thinking they have a happy marriage at that point. She's thinking right. maybe there maybe there is this opening. Maybe he is the love of my life. So I find them human and relatable, and like I feel sorry for them. I'm like Bradley Cooper, totally like is super wishy washy, right? Like, and Too, yeah. the whole the office scene should never have gotten to the point it got, but like. A lot of things should have happened. to yeah. but yeah. Listen, I,
2: I feel sympathetic to people who are, yes, got married before they wanted to. They felt the pressure and things like that. So then don't fuck around. Be honest. You're building a house together. They're doing yeah, all these renovations. Yeah. She's asking you for the truth and you lie. I can't take that. So it just, yeah, 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 I'm yeah. My Greek yaya there. I'm sorry. You should have seen with the gestures too. So <laughs> that's what I can't. I can't, like, then hang on to that sympathy for too
0: long because he's had opportunity a lot.
1: So- I need a live
0: camera watching you watching movies from now on <laughs> if you're going to do hand gestures. This is what we need.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's something about... I love flawed characters in movies, but most of the time they have a redemptive arc or, yeah, you know, something to bring them around. Like, there's a curve, and mm-hmm. he has no curve. These right. characters don't have curves. They... they, I- they Never redeem,
0: but that's yeah. kind of like real. That's kind of like real life, though. Actually, in I, a way, that's like I more thought realistic. so too.
3: I thought I thought that this was one of the most more realistic um, storylines in the movie. Like something that I've seen happen. Uh, I've I've never experienced it personally, but I've seen plenty of husbands and boyfriends um, leave their wives or girlfriends for someone else, someone more attractive, someone younger. And I, I think that that it's just a reality. I mean, what's the, the saying? You know, um, a lot of times men are as faithful as their options. Um, and I've, I've heard that a lot. And, and people say, oh, you know, that's not true. But it, a lot of times it is. And if, if a woman like Scarlett Johansson, as beautiful as she is, you know, came up to your partner and was like, hey, <laughs> you know, what what would they do? You know what I mean? Like, I, (laughs) I, I, and I think that is a question that that a lot of times women ask themselves because it happens. Like, I don't feel that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't feel that fear. I don't feel that fear with my current partner, but like I've certainly felt that with other partners. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Again, I think he'd be yeah, yeah. He'd he'd be really confused if Scarlett Johansson came up to him and tried to hit on him. Like, (laughs)
2: like, same. I think Mike'd be like, what?
0: so are there any scenes in them in this story arc that stuck out to you as particularly good or particularly like, Oh my God, I can't believe that was such a horrible scene.
1: Nothing that stuck out other than Bradley Cooper only going to that store for a six pack of beer, which seems like pretty (laughs) frequent, the same kind of beer. Like that's just kind of his routine, I suppose.
0: Yeah. He meets Scarlett Johansson in line at a grocery store. Yeah. And then later at the end of the movie, we see him behind another lady. Will he talk to her? Will he not? Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm like, oh, with that, with the same beer.
3: I just assumed he was at the <laughs> yeah. grocery store buying cigarettes. That's that's what I thought like the whole oh, time. I know yeah. they never show it, but like I'm like, oh, that's what he's doing. But he, they never actually yeah. show him checking out. So you usually have to buy cigarettes like from the cashier or like behind the little, I don't know. Oh,
0: I don't know. Yeah.
3: Good
1: question. So Non-smokers so really- out
3: there. <laughs>
0: So I I did want to add, we didn't really touch on Anna's part story with Connor that much. Connor is like actually a huge character in this movie, and he could have actually been one of the storylines himself. He's the only guy in the movie, the guy character who's kind of treated like in the woman's position of being the one who wants someone who doesn't want them, who's just Mm. not that into them. Like the book, Mm. He's Just Not That Into You is addressed specifically to a female audience, but it can be just as true that a man can be like going after a woman who's just not showing him interest. And right. I mean, that certainly happened to me in college. There was at least one guy in college that I used for emotional support longer than I should have, so I can also mm-hmm. r- relate to that part of the Scarlett Johansson story. Um, what did you guys think of Connor in this storyline? Was it interesting to see a man in that position in the movie? It was kind of a
3: setup. I almost feel like Anna was like portrayed as like a villain, almost, you know, like,
0: mm, yeah.
3: um, and and I, I didn't necessarily think that it was particularly fair um mm. for her and i think connor was like oh he's like the super nice guy um but he was you know every, every no one's really a victim in situations like this you know everyone is yeah. choosing yeah. to pursue these romantic relationships whether they're getting what they want out of it or not you know
0: yeah yeah for sure yeah
2: it was hard to watch the film because i was also reading the book at the same time and i felt that they were rather different actually and different (laughs) messages um so you know i feel like the book was very like you are worth the partner that you want and you know get rid of this loser who's just not that into you because you're worth it and find a man who who will treat you with all the ways you want to be treated and now but i'm getting to this part with like connor he was a really great guy he was gonna give anna everything he wanted to give her everything but she like doesn't love him so it's you can't and be like find a nice person or whatever like there needs to be connection and mutual affection you know what i mean so um there needs to be that uh, thing Yeah. yeah 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 yeah
1: I think the other thing about Kevin Connolly to me as an actor, he and I don't know if you ladies feel the same way, but he just feels like so boring on screen
0: Mm.
1: when he's like he feels to me like another Jai Courtney, Sam Worthington type of actor where he just he doesn't bring a whole lot to to the screen. Is that just me?
0: I think maybe he was acting that way on purpose, to be honest. I don't know. Like, yeah, I kind of agree with you, though. He wasn't like I wasn't like grabbed by him in any way. But. I wasn't either, and I was highly distracted
2: by. I'm like, who is this guy? What did oh. he do before? Oh. <laughs> I didn't know. I don't
0: know well, he, was,
1: he was really big for entourage. Yeah, I was going to say that entourage. was his like, big thing. Okay,
2: right. That's what IMDb
0: told me, and I didn't see. I didn't watch entourage, and so I just wanted to put a few more random notes in about this storyline before we wrap it up. Originally, there was a whole subplot involving Anna's mother, which explained why she is the way she is, but that was cut out of the movie entirely. In the deleted sings, you can also hear Scarlett Johansson singing at the end. She's singing Last Goodbye by Jeff Buckley. And I got to tell you, Scarlett Johansson had a great voice in that s- song. I wish they had kept it in the movie. I don't know yeah. if they like, had made her such a villain that we didn't get to hear her sing anymore or what the deal was. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I appreciate
2: knowing that. I didn't know that, that there was this whole subplot. And yeah, ScarJo, I've heard that she's a singer. So I'm sad that I didn't get to hear it in the film.
0: Well, if you if you have a DVD on you, you can watch the deleted scenes and it will be there. (laughs) So, yeah.
1: All right. So uh, Mary's story is next. This was slightly higher ranked than Anna's story with 15. Uh, The main actors here, we have Drew Barrymore as Mary and we have Kevin Connolly as Connor on this one. All right, basic plot for this one. Uh, Mary sells ads for the Baltimore Blade, which is a local newspaper serving the gay community. And she's connected to Connor because she sells ad space to his real estate business. And Anna is her friend. Throughout the movie, Mary is dealing with trying to figure out if guys are interested based on how they contact her via different technologies, such as MySpace messages and voicemails. If you've ever had a dated reference in a movie, (laughs) it is definitely MySpace. Um, And she's being advised by a group of gay coworkers who who kind of like are uh, over her shoulder as she's opening these messages up. After a series of disappointments, Mary ends up spotting Connor in real life at a little cafe and they end up having lunch together, which results in them beginning a relationship. So uh, the rankings on this one, I ranked this story a two.
0: I ranked it a four.
3: I also ranked it a four. And I ranked it five.
1: Wow, that this was the worst one for you, Serena.
3: Yeah, I just I just <laughs> thought it was the most boring. I don't it's not, nothing against mm-hmm. it. It was just like it didn't Yeah. It, I just felt it was like filler, you know, like it wasn't I was like eh. mm. like I, it could have been left out and I don't think it would have changed the movie very much.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think I'm with you. It, there wasn't much meat to this plot. I think Drew Barrymore's adorable. I like how she and Connor ended up. I thought that was cute. But other than that, I'm like, there's there isn't much story here.
0: Yeah, and for for me, for me, I guess it's the same thing. It was just one of the t- plots with less time given to it. But there is like probably my favorite clip, which is very dated as well from this movie. We're gonna play in a little bit, and I really did love that like scene where Drew is talking. But first, I want to hear Jason why you um, put it it too. I'm intrigued.
1: Well, there's two reasons. Number one was kind of because it was the shortest. <laughs> 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 that's one reason but also i think the way they end up like i wasn't really interested in the goings-on before they got together but the way they end up feels yeah. like one of the more healthy relationships and it feels like one of the more fun relationships mm-hmm. like i would i would want to yeah. see more of these two people together afterwards where i probably wouldn't want to see more of the other characters afterwards
0: okay got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah
2: i'm with you on that where i was like should i maybe put this a rank higher i wasn't I wasn't sure, but uh, I, I have the same
0: thoughts that Thought they were really cute at the end. So yeah, so the aforementioned clip that I really like Drew Barrymore, I'm going to go ahead and play it. And I think this was kind of like the writers of this movie kind of thinking out loud about the state we were in with modern dating in the year 2009. And anyone from 2022, 2023, who wasn't dating in 2009 is gonna think this is hilarious and very dated. But in 2009, this was like a new thing. This was like the zeitgeist, more or less. So here's uh, Drew Barrymore talking about dating in the modern age in 2009.
3: That's not the point. I can't text. You know, I'm not charming via
1: text. Well, maybe you should just stop texting. But it's not just texting, it's email, it's voicemail, it's snail mail. That's regular mail. Whatever, none of it's working.
3: I had this guy leave me a voicemail at work, so I called him at home. And then he emailed me to my Blackberry, and so I texted to his cell, and then he emailed me to my home account, and the whole thing just got out of control. And I missed the days Where you had one phone number and one answering machine. And that one answering machine housed one cassette tape. And that one cassette tape either had a message from the guy or it didn't. And now you just have to go around checking all these different portals just to get rejected by seven different technologies. It's
1: exhausting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think that was great too. That was pretty fantastic. And my favorite part for me is that Drew Barrymore on her show talks about trying to date now, you know, (laughs) and she talks openly about like, you know, apps and going on a date and trying to navigate
0: dating. It's fantastic. And just kind of full circle. Yeah, I don't know if dating has really gotten any less confusing, to be honest. Like, um, yeah, like just the amount of dating apps and like, Um, it's mostly dating apps and text messages now, but there's also like secret messaging platforms. Like I know somebody who's on something called Kick. There's people like on different websites, like Snapchat, like all kinds of shit going on. Um, and And like even with friendships, like I have friends who are on all these different platforms. So I have to keep accounts just to keep in touch with people because they're on all different things. Like some people are on Instagram, but not Facebook. Some people are on Facebook, but not Twitter, vice versa. So it's like very confusing, the social atmosphere. I think- this is held over from 2009. The only difference is nobody's leaving you voicemails anymore, basically.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of dated technology in here. The answering machines, MySpace, holding your phone up in the air to catch a signal, which Justin uh, yes. Long does in want scene. like, what yes. is he doing?
2: That's awesome.
1: Because this was one of the shorter stories, there are probably not very many key scenes, but uh, we do have the embarrassing voicemail scene where uh, she has somebody that she thinks is interested in her from MySpace, and he leaves her a voicemail message, and then accidentally calls her back and leaves another voicemail message of the same type, the same song for a different woman.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm happy yeah. singing that. Like this guy's like some kind of <laughs> guitar player, singer guy, and he's like, oh, Mary, 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 Mary. And I don't remember how the rest of the song goes, yeah. but it starts with her name. And then we hear the next one like, oh, Jenny, Jenny, Jenny. And then he's like, oh, wait, where am I leaving this? <laughs> Shit. <laughs>
2: oh, I have to say my heart kind of, sw- I had a little like... <gasps> Well that's nice. I felt I I went with it. I bought into it and it was really yeah, rejected
0: when we hear the second the second message. Yeah, and this happens I, in front yeah. of all her coworkers. Like it's they're playing it out loud for them. So it's like a group embarrassment. Yeah.
1: And the best part is how they leave because they're so like, "Ooh, that's embarrassing." And they just kind of all break away and go <laughs> oh, their yeah. separate directions by saying nothing.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Um, That's really the only key scene. I think that, you know, we, we already kind of mentioned the spontaneous date with Connor at the cafe, which was yeah. originally conceptualized as them meeting at a gay pride parade, but was changed so the focus would be on the couple rather than being distracted by everything else around them.
0: Yeah, this this movie staged a whole ass gay pride parade that they didn't end up using. So there you go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we At least we had some extra work and an extra gay pride parade for the neighborhood. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Very but nice. like, OK, keep in mind, ye who like Drew Barrymore's plot in this movie, she's the one who encourages Anna to yeah. go after the Mary guy. So that's all I'm yeah. going to say right there.
2: Well, that's good. very good point. I was very disappointed in that too. I'm like, what is she doing? What kind of friend does that? What are you doing?
3: <laughs> oh, sister. Terrible. All right. So, um, so right in the middle of our rankings is Janine's story. And Janine's story is connected to Anna's story that we talked about earlier. So uh, the main characters are Jennifer Connelly as Janine, her husband, Ben, played by Bradley Cooper, and there is appearance by Louis Guzman as Javier. So, um, so I already said that this was connected to Anna's story. Um, the person that she's having an affair with is Ben. And the basic plot is Janine and Ben are a married couple who got married right after college. Currently, they're renovating their house, and at least Janine seems interested in having a baby. Janine suspects that Ben is smoking cigarettes behind her back, something that really bothers her because her father died of lung cancer. Ben is smoking cigarettes, and he also starts an affair with Anna, played by Scarlett Johansson. Ben confesses his affair to Janine and assumes she'll kick him out when she wants to work on their marriage instead ben remains at home but continues seeing anna anna and ben are about to have sex in his office when janine knocks on the door and it turns out she's come to seduce him too ben pushes anna into the closet and she's forced to listen while ben has sex with his wife i found this scene kind of disturbing i don't know if anybody else did Yeah. Oh, very uncomfortable <laughs> yeah uncomfortable.
1: really horrid. Um,
3: i mm-hmm. i guess i kind of could have lived without it like i i understand like what it was Mm. what it what it did for the the story you know it caused Mm. anna to finally break up with ben but it was just weird (laughs) anyways so yeah so after ben pushes anna to the closet and then she's forced to listen to them having sex and then after janine leaves anna angrily breaks up with him which is rightfully so but also kind of weird that You know, like he was cheating on her with his own wife. Which, what did you expect him to do? You know,
1: I think it was more of like him saying that he wanted to work on the marriage, Mm -hmm. And him having sex with
0: her. Really, all of it, all of the above. Make a decision, Ben. Make a decision that (laughs) doesn't involve making Anna into part of like a weird voyeuristic situation here. Okay, like yeah, (laughs) true, true. So
3: when. Janine gets home, she finds Ben's cigarettes and realizes he's been lying to her about everything. She finally breaks down, packs up Ben's things, and asks for a divorce. Janine ends the movie in her renovated home, rebuilding her life. And Ben ends the movie as a single man. So I gave this um, storyline a two. I gave it a two.
1: I gave it a four.
2: And
3: I gave it a five. Mm. um so i gave it a 2 um just because i i just found this storyline intriguing interesting i i felt like there was a lot of um evolution to it um and i and i liked the ending even though they like break up but i liked that janine like came to her senses i guess mm-hmm. and was like all right this guy's an asshole and and Left him and then has a beautiful house to live in without him.
2: <laughs> uh, I gave it a two because it was one of the more fuller stories in the film. Like, um, you know, there was history; they have a history, and and I just felt it was a little more complete. I guess I felt for Janine, you know, and her trying to figure out what was going on and her. Just her journey, mostly.
1: I was on the fence of putting this one at the bottom, but I ended up moving it to four because of Louis Guzman, who I absolutely love, and he was fantastic in his little cameo here. Yeah, I thought the scene where she's like taking everything or like kind of spilling everything out to him as if he was her husband, I thought that scene was uh, was pretty good and i was a little confused at the end like i didn't know that she was in her same cool house that she had rebuilt they showed like a different angle
0: i mm, think and i was like yeah. is
1: she did she get the house or
0: yeah i, I think yeah. i think we're meant to think that cuz she's replacing the mirror that she broke at one point so yeah oh, okay. yeah Got it. Ooh, really i felt it was a whole different place and i was oh, wondering really? like why, why didn't she
2: get the house so yeah. interesting <laughs>
0: yeah. okay all right
1: so ben is living on uh, on the yacht at the end or on that little boat <laughs> Oh, no, that's the Probably. other guy that's
0: living on the boat. Or he's he also living on the boat? Oh, who knows? I don't know. He's friends with the guy with the boat. So, yeah, he could be. Yeah. So I gave it a five. And the reason I gave it a five is that, like, oh, I hate to say this because, like, it should be a sympathetic character, but for me, Janine was not like super sympathetic. Like, I mm-hmm. love the actress Jennifer Connolly, and I just mm-hmm. really didn't like her character. I think it's maybe because she's very opposite me. Like, she's very, like, she keeps everything really tightly controlled inside of her. You know, she denies mm-hmm. a lot of things and her feelings. There's this one really interesting scene actually where um, I don't know if it was in the script or if Jennifer Connelly chose this as an actor, but when she breaks down and breaks the mirror, when she finally realizes that Ben has been cheating on her, she immediately goes and gets the mop, mop, or sorry, the broom and the dustpan and like, cleans up the mirror, like, immediately. She's had this major Mm -hmm. breakdown, but she right away cleans things up, and that is so not me. If I had a major breakdown like this, those pieces of glass would just be everywhere for a while, and I'd be (laughs) sobbing in a bed somewhere, right? This woman is so controlled. But then I think Mm -hmm. the other thing that I super didn't identify with her character was that scene with Javier, Louis Guzman's character, where, like, she is blaming these cigarettes that she's finding around right. the house on Javier. And the way she's talking to him is such like an upper class, like talking down to her, like contractor kind of thing. And I, uh, it just really rubbed me the wrong way. Like to, to bl- one, blame the guy and then to also be kind of like weirdly passive aggressive and like, yeah. So, I mean, maybe well done. Maybe that was just what the character supposed to do and good job, Jennifer Connelly. But I didn't enjoy watching it at any point. Except when I started to just try to admire Jennifer Connelly's little actorly details that she was putting in. So, yeah, mm-hmm, I don't know.
2: I didn't like the scene where she is grilling Louis Guzman either. I'm like, Ooh, I think this is dated. I don't think, you know, and it, like, and, or maybe it was trying to be funny because he was mm-hmm. funny. And I'm like, is she trying to be yeah, like, no. the tone wasn't, wasn't right. It could have been a funny interaction um, yeah, I, I
0: don't think it was supposed to be funny at all i think it, you're just supposed to see that she's so in denial about ben lying to her that she's like really just putting like like jason said all her emotions onto this yeah. employee instead yeah. it was yeah. creepy it was very creepy yeah i was It was uncomfortable watching it um any individual scenes anybody wants to talk more about or
1: I did relate oh. to the uh, part of the Home Depot scene where she's mm. like, this one's wood, and he's like, this one looks like wood, but she still wanted the the one that was wood because, you know, it's mm. it's not fake. Mm. I've, uh, you know, I've run into those those uh, product. Uh, obviously, it's like a, what do you, what would you call it? Like an analogy to the story, that to yeah. the tale she's in. Yeah. A yeah. parallel. That's mm-hmm. what it is, a parallel to the story she's in, but um, you know, I've, I've had those arguments with my wife, like, it looks like wood. Let's just get this one. No, I want the real wood. Well, that one's five times as expensive. Doesn't matter.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, if, yeah, <laughs> I'm with you on that one, too.
0: What did you guys think of the actual breakdown scene where she's like, finally realizes he's cheating. And she's like, you lying sack of shit. And she just starts freaking out. Like, do did you, did you guys think that was well done?
1: Yeah, she's a great actor.
0: Did she tidy up, though, at the end? He comes home to all the
2: stuff.
3: Yeah. Oh, folded. yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Do- I was
2: like, whoa, 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 whoa. I wouldn't, that shit would have been in this
0: garbage, garbage woman. bags
2: on the front stoop. Like no, that.
0: No. Yeah. That's a character marker. She's a type A perfectionist, this woman. And yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Everything it- she did was very orderly. And as you said earlier, she makes the mess. She cleans it right up. That mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. par for the course with her character.
0: Yeah. Which is one thing I did admire about it. So yeah, I thought that was either good script writing or good um, screenwriting or good acting choices. I don't know which one. Maybe directing choices. Who knows? Anyway, shall we move on to Gigi? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I just spoiled it. So our overall second pick, um, which, you know, even as our overall second pick, the first pick is way higher rated. Okay. But our overall second pick had 11 points cumulatively. And this is Gigi's story featuring Jennifer Goodwin as Gigi, Justin Long as Alex, Kevin Connolly as Connor, and Busy Phillips shows up playing Kelly Kellyanne, who works at Alex's bar. And just an interesting note, she was married to the co-screenwriter Mark Silverstein at the time the film was made. So there's a little connection there. So the basic plot for Gigi's story, she's the main story of the movie, as we mentioned. Um, she begins her story with a date with Connor, which she thinks went successfully, but he doesn't call her. And when she tries to not so accidentally run into him at a bar, she ends up meeting Alex instead, who lets her know that if a guy wants to see her, he will call. And Connor's not interested. So Gigi begins calling Alex for further dating advice as she meets other guys who aren't so into her. And Alex and Gigi form kind of like a a little friendship. Gigi then gets the idea that Alex is into her by seeing signs in his behavior. But when Gigi tries to come on to him, Alex rejects her advances. However, by the end of the movie, Alex has realized that he's into Gigi, too, and they become a couple. So I rank the story number one.
1: I rank the story number three.
0: I gave it a three, and I gave it a four. Okay, so I can't wait to hear what you guys think. But I'm going to say, first of all, what I ranked it one really quickly. Um, basically, for me, it comes down to I like Jennifer Goodwin and Justin Long's chemistry together. Uh, that's a big thing for me. I think they're both really strong in rom coms in general. And I thought they were so cute together. Like I just I bought them as a couple. I think the other reason I like it is, um, well, first of all, Jennifer Goodwin's obviously the most developed character since she's the main character. But also I related to a lot of her struggles with just wanting to believe that the guy is interested in her. I related to waiting around for the phone. These days it would be more waiting around for the text or waiting around for the message, but like totally relate. I relate to her optimism, but how optimism can also then turn into like unhealthy obsession or just waiting around too long. So I just found her all over just like a sweet, relatable character. She made some mistakes she was a little nuts at times, but she was nuts in a way that like she meant well. So, yeah, I like her.
1: I I like the story up until they became a couple. Like it, it didn't seem true to his character mm. to want to be with her. But at the same time, the scenes where they were just kind of like becoming friends and he was kind of, he was like outlining the rules for her. At that bar where he his blind date didn't show up, but she thought, you know, that it was really him. I, I thought that scene was great. And like I said at the top, I think that Justin Long is the best actor in this movie. Everything he does felt so naturalistic and he just felt like a real character in this movie. I just didn't love when they turned into a couple, but I loved everything before that.
0: Okay.
2: I gave it a three because it is a, a fuller story again, um, and you see a journey. Okay, true confession. I Justin Long doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> I've not seen any of those films that we all of his IMDb oh, babe, credits. Babe, I got to so, give you a list
0: to start with though, because they're good. Okay, never just, mind. I'll, I'll shut up. I'll shut up. Keep going. Keep going.
2: So. You know, there was that where I was like, eh, whatevs. You know, had this film come out when I was in college and feeling more like Gigi, I might have liked it more and identified more with her. But maybe I just wanted to, like, (laughs) distance myself from ever behaving that way and being like, oh, I hope he (laughs) likes me. And, like, let's go drive by his place and all that silly stuff because it was really hard to watch. It was so cringy Mm. for me. I'm like, oh, God, you're so like pathetic and desperate just relax but i was you know like married for four years by the time this came in so uh, you know that's not fair from that perspective i will say I, that
0: I I, I I have made yeah. friends with the pathetic and desperate parts of myself like i i love those parts of myself too so i feel yeah, like we're, we're, we're yeah. fully integrated here <laughs> my yeah. shadow has been integrated Aww.
3: so there you
0: have it and serena how about yourself
3: not that I, I dislike this particularly. I think it was fine. I, I for some reason I just wasn't that interested in it as well. And kind of like what what Jason was saying, I I didn't really like that they got that Alex and Gigi got together. I almost wish hmm, okay. I, I almost wish that like Alex would have just stayed her friend. And then like, what's wrong with, with mm. people just being friends and then her actually finding someone that she likes, I felt like it was just like almost too cliched that they got together. Mm. You no, know? like, I mean, I, I can't, mm. I can't
0: deny that it's a cliche. It really is a cliche. <laughs> it's, yeah. And, and so
3: I don't know, I just, I guess maybe I found it a little unrealistic or something where uh, some of the other mm. storylines I felt were a little bit more realistic I, I don't know. It was, it was fine. It was a fine story. It was just like, eh, you know.
0: I think for me, like I felt that they would work as a couple just because like so many couples are based on like being friends. And like, even though it seems kind of nuts when she's talking about the signs, like, It it did kind of show you signs, like the fact that he leaves a girl he's making out with to talk to her on the phone. Seems like, um, why would you do that? Like, unless you had like a thing for somebody that you weren't quite aware of on the surface. So I I do feel like there was some build up of the relationship to make it realistic. For whatever reason, it didn't play for the rest of you, but it, it did play for me. So yeah. Oh, yeah, let's do a little clip really quick, t- too. So this is, um, this is maybe the cringiest part, Sophia's Gigi is coming on to Alex, and he is rejecting her. And then she has some words for him.
1: And why exactly would you think that?
0: Because of the signs.
1: Really? Like what?
0: Like, it was good to hear from me, and you talked to me even when you were with a girl, and I felt something. <sighs>
1: What are you talking about? Gigi, what have I been saying since I met you? If a guy wants to date you, he will make it happen, okay? He will ask you out. Did I ask you out? No. Why why would you do this? Oh, shit. Why do we do this? Why do they build up this stuff in their minds, take each little thing a guy does, and, and then twist it into something else? It's insane!
0: I'd rather be like that than be like you.
1: Excuse me?
2: What is that supposed to mean?
0: I may dissect each little thing and put myself out there too much, but at least that means I still care. And, oh, you think you've won? Because women are, are expendable to you? And you may
3: not get get hurt or make an ass of yourself that way. But you don't fall in love that way either. You have not won. You're alone, Alex.
0: Okay, so that's Gigi's big, uh, Gigi's big scene with Alex. What do you guys think about that?
2: You know, I, get, I do give her credit for putting herself out there, right? And, like, making a move. I think that that's so brave after feeling, like, rejected a lot,
0: you know? Um, yeah. only to
2: be, only to be rejected again but he's an he's
0: he's kind of an ass <laughs> yeah <laughs> to, be, to be fair though like I wouldn't do what Gigi does she goes like for a lunge she lunges at him and kisses him I'm like even though I'm have often put myself out there I have never done that I always right. give somebody warning I'm like hey I like you you know what I'm like right. I don't I don't right, go into the right, kiss. Right. so I was like eh, I probably wouldn't do that but yeah
1: Jen, you like the story the most. How long do you give this relationship after the cameras stop rolling? How long do you think they would stay together?
0: See, I bought them. I bought them together, though, is the difference, Jason, because like they were friends and like he was like taking her calls and talking to her. And like I did find the like end cap scene where they're like playing a game together that did seem a little fakey. I think they could have chosen a better situation for them to be in. But Mm -hmm. yeah, like it was a little bit too manic at that point. And also the it was, I don't I don't get a read on Alex maybe as much as I get a read on Gigi. So maybe I'm seeing the relationship more from her p- point of view rather than what Alex actually wants. I couldn't really figure out what Alex wanted in this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and I really what do you think about that? Ethan? I really wasn't convinced you know. that that her like saying like oh you. I put myself out there and you don't like like the the crank would be turning in his head he'd be like oh she is right i just don't think guys think like that (laughs) i mean maybe i'm (laughs) wrong but i feel like that's like kind of unrealistic he's probably like crazy bitch and then like slammed the door and then they never (laughs) talked again like i feel like that was like the real case scenario
0: no, for me, I think like it's not so much that she gives him this speech. I think like we're supposed to think some time has elapsed and he actually misses her. Like he realizes that like I like hanging out with this girl. There was something about her. That's more what I got. Not that like his wheels turned too much. I don't know.
3: I know that the point of this story was to make them like the exception, but it just felt like it just went too yeah, far yeah. out of the like he's just not that into you realm.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. This book, this story completely contradicts the book. And what's interesting is both of the stories that we like the most completely contradicted the book, guys. (laughs) Just so so we're paying attention here. Like this and the next one are the ones that are completely against this book's ethos.
3: Yeah. Which shows you that women never learn.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know. I don't know if that's what it is, because I'm going to have some words (laughs) with this book in a minute is all I'm going to say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have some fucking words with this book. I can't wait. Really. <laughs> I knew you would. I knew you would.
3: I'm like, Jennifer's going to hate all of this.
0: Well, I don't, No, I don't hate all of it, but I have some very specific like real life experiences that completely contradict. Anyway, we'll get to it. Um, so one other thing I wanted to note from this one, I love that Gigi is watching the movie Some Kind of Wonderful in this movie and quoting the dialogue. I like when people watch movies in movies, especially if they're movies that I fucking love. And Some Kind of Wonderful is my favorite like John Hughes written movie that exists. Mm hmm. And any other scenes or notes that people want to bring up? No, I just also want to agree
2: that it made me happy to see that some kind of wonderful showed up in the film. And I was like, now this movie's redeemed for me. So (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. kidding.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, so shall we get on to the last story? What do you guys think? Let's go. Okie dokie. This was...
2: Beth's story, nearly everyone's top pick with a score of five. The main characters are Jennifer Aniston as Beth, Ben Affleck as Neil, and, hell yeah, Chris Christopherson as Beth's dad. Okay, the other redeeming quality of this film. (laughs) Beth and Neil uh, are a generally happy couple who've been living together and have dated for seven years. When Beth's younger sister announces her wedding, Beth brings up the topic of marriage to Neil once again. Beth wants to get married, but Neil doesn't believe in marriage. After hearing Gigi talk about the he's just not that into you philosophy at work, Beth pressures Neil to marry her. When he won't agree to marry, she breaks up with him and Neil goes to live on his boat. At her sister's wedding, Beth has to deal with family members hassling her about being a single woman but most significantly her father suffers from a heart attack while taking care of her recovering father. Beth notices that none of her sisters, sisters, husbands are helpful. And in fact, they expect to be taken care of too. Then Neil shows up at the house and has taken care of chores and run errands without being asked. Beth asks Neil to come back to her and tells him that it's okay if they don't get married, since he acts more like a husband to her than her sister's real husband's. While moving back in, Neil surprises Beth with a marriage proposal, and they get married on Neil's boat. I scored this a one. I also gave it a one.
1: I also gave it a one.
0: And I gave it a two. I really like it, but I like Jennifer Goodwin's story a little more. Yeah. Okay. I loved
2: honestly that we expanded beyond just two people going back and forth and we went into the family and we saw this family dynamic and yeah chris crystal authors and funny moments of like really creepy gross cousins coming on to beth like so cringy and then like the guy who you know uh the wiccan
0: the wiccan guy guy
2: yeah classic like the setup at a, at a wedding and someone wanting to meet the single sister or what have you. But honestly, I've run hot and cold with Jennifer Aniston. Oh, okay. I thought she was fantastic in her reactions to all of his weird, like, I am going to tell you all about being a Wiccan, like, or whatever. So in Stonehenge. And she's like, really? I thought that was brilliant. I thought Ben Affleck was a little wooden in it. Actually. I'm like, oh. I, yeah, a little bit. But
0: overall, you like the story the best. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> that's a ringing endorsement. Okay. I gave it a one. <laughs> who else? Anyone else give it a one who has more to say?
3: I mean, I think I was drawn to this because I liked it that Neil lives on a boat. I was like, oh, that's cool.
2: <laughs> oh, that's yeah, right. And I like that they get married on the boat, too. I loved yeah. it. You know, they yeah. got married, but it wasn't like the fucking show that in the gazillion dollars or whatever they got married with the family on the boat
3: perfect yeah, you know that's very tasteful the, yeah
1: the boat that bradley cooper probably was living in at the time <laughs> so he just went back <laughs> downstairs you. after the wedding
2: <laughs> probably like, sorry you're sure for this
1: <laughs> i give this one a one as well i thought it was really well acted i i liked both characters uh they were just kind of dealing with their their own stuff and i Love that scene when, you know, she's having trouble with her brother-in-laws trying to take care of their dad. The amazing Chris Christopherson from uh, Convoy, if you're a fan of that movie. And, uh, and and they're very unhelpful. And then she just turns the corner and sees him cleaning up. You know, he knows everything about her dad, and the right yeah. food to bring. And it was that moment where she's like, you know, maybe maybe a marriage proposal isn't what I need. Maybe it's just Neil that I need. I don't necessarily agree with the message of like, you got to get married (laughs) because some people just don't believe in marriage. But Mm -hmm. yeah, overall, I like the story a lot.
0: Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. The scene where she just sees him doing the the dishes like that is romance right there, people like like that is the height of romance when somebody like does all this stuff for you and you don't even have to ask for it. I'm like, oh, my heart. Right. And my husband is like that. And so I just, I recognize it. And funny enough, my husband also, when we were first together, was one of these guys who didn't believe in marriage. So like, it was relatable to me. Like, I was like, oh yeah, I I get this. I understand this guy's mindset and I know that he really loves this woman, but it's not, but marriage just isn't his thing for one reason or another. Right. So yeah, we did get married, obviously, but like, I I understand the mindset. I understand that there are guys like that out there. It's not always just somebody bullshitting someone. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, I was going to say that it reminded me of my husband, too, who would just come in and like take care of all the shit and be like the rock.
0: I love Jennifer Aniston, too. I should mention, like you said, Sophia, you're like a little on and off about her, but I think she makes any rom-com she is in way better. Like, I think she's just great in these roles. She made like a movie with Adam Sandler that was totally ridiculous. Just go with it. Like watchable for me. OK, I was like, she's she's good. She's good. Um, Yeah. So there's a couple of like little key scenes in this. We mentioned Neil doesn't believe in marriage. He says, quote, people who get married are not to be trusted. And he says that they are insecure and just doing what they are supposed to do. Serena, I want to ask you, like, what do you think about this notion? Because like you are you are among the, the not married, but coupled of us.
3: I don't know. I I'm a strange woman because I've never wanted to get married. And I don't know why. It's so weird. It's just something that never was something that I wanted or needed. But now, like, like Sophia said, I understand the socioeconomic part of it, which would make Mm. sense. Mm -hmm. You know, if one of us Mm -hmm. passed away, Or an accident or being able to access someone in the hospital, making those kinds of choices. Now marriage makes more sense to me, but I've never had to have uh, a wedding or a vows or rings. That didn't matter to me. It always mattered to me whether or not someone actually showed up. So that to me is more of a marriage than going through a marriage.
0: Yeah. And I think that's yeah. really shown in the movie. Like, it's contrasted with the brothers-in-law, but it's also contrasted right. with um, Bradley Cooper's character, who's saying that, like, no man really wants to get married. And then Ben right. Affleck's like, well, I love, you know, Beth. I don't want to be with anyone else. So, yeah. Right. It's interesting. I
2: kind of think his excuse here, people get married to not to be trusted and they're insecure. And I, can t- I think those are the kind of bullshit answers. Okay. See, that's the that's the kind of thing that I think in the book they'd be like, if he says this, he's not that <laughs> yes, into you. Yes. But I think definitely people get married because they think they're supposed to do it, you know? And I act Serena, I'm I think it's commendable that you're like, I don't need that. And and I don't think you're a strange woman. I think you're a woman who knows yourself. And I think that's really, really important for a lot of women who felt that they were supposed to and had to. You know, so So good for you, is good for you, dear. But yeah, man, uh, you know, taxes and shit like that. Sometimes that marriage, yeah, yeah. being a
3: couple, you know. The older I get, that that part of it makes more sense. You know, like right, sharing, like we we own a boat together now, like that kind of stuff is just like, oh, okay, this is. It would make it easier if we were just like, oh, we are legally connected to each other, you know?
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So like just a few other things I wanted to mention, like one of my favorite lines in this whole thing, for some reason, is when the her sisters are trying to comfort her about not being married and like being single and like, look at Al Pacino, he's single and he's happy as a clam. <laughs> and then she's like, am I Al Pacino? Like, yeah, that makes me laugh so much. And I don't even know why. I just it's funny, like just the fact that they would choose Al Pacino, I guess, so also another thing that stuck out to me, a scene right after Jen, Jennifer Aniston breaks up with him, Ben Affleck is standing, like looking at a, towards a painting in their their apartment that has the words should, should, should repeated. And I was like, that seems like a conscious choice. Uh-huh. I missed yeah. that
2: completely, but way to go. No, I, I didn't
0: notice yeah. that. Yeah. Like, I mean, if it wasn't a conscious choice, I mean, hell, that's an interesting coincidence. Like, cause like this is a man who's like fighting against basically obligation, even though he kind of loves her so yeah
1: oh that was 100 a, a set designer's choice for
0: sure. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah yeah totally and um one more thing what did you guys think about the proposal at the end so at the end like jennifer aniston invites him back like and she says but you can't bring these like grotty pants that you've got here like they've got to go as part of the agreement like kind of a joke but then he brings out the grotty pants again and she's like i can't believe you brought these pants and they're kind of joke fighting with each other and she's about to get rid of them and she's, he says, like, but check the pockets. There might be something there. And she pulls out the wedding ring. What did you guys think of the proposal scene?
3: I thought it was good because yeah. it it conveyed to me. I know I mean, you guys might not think this. It conveyed to me a compromise because I because this is something she really wants. Right. Like this mm-hmm. is something that she really wants and so he's going to do that for her. You know what I mean? And I, I yeah. think a lot yeah. of guys, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not married, obviously. But I, I think a lot of guys do that. I think a lot of guys get married to please the woman because that's what she wants or that's what she's told she wants or that's going to show mm-hmm. to the world that he actually cares about her or loves her. I don't know. That's what I thought that scene represented. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I I think you're right on, Serena, because Lee was one of these I don't believe in marriage guys. And I can't I can't remember exactly what he said to me when I asked him about this movie. But he said something like, like, I didn't ever believe in marriage, but I believed in being married to you or something like that. It was so Mm -hmm. sweet. But it wasn't like Mm -hmm. he believed in marriage. Like he, he just believed that it was important to me is what he was kind of trying to express there. You know what I mean? It's not like his view had changed. It's just like his love for me kind of superseded having to have a view about it, I guess.
2: And I think that's what's happening here, and it doesn't it doesn't feel like the Ben and Janine situation though. No, where it was an yeah. ultimatum. It was yeah. like, well, we're either going to get married or break up. What are we going to do? You know, we're going to move on with our lives now. We're graduating college. You know, it felt like, yeah, love, and like yeah. I love you, and and I want to give this to you. So I think
0: that was nice and lovely.
1: Did Lee propose though with a pair of cargo pants?
0: I don't even think he, well, maybe he had a car, pair of cargo pants once. No, it was nothing like that. No, no, no. But it wasn't like some super uber romantic proposal either. I mean, we don't, we're not traditional, like in a lot of ways, like we don't have wedding rings either. Like, and that was like a mutual okay. choice. I think he's actually been more interested in giving me a wedding ring than I've ever been in having one. So okay, I like. I love that. Yeah. I mean, cause it costs money basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And there's a million other things we'd rather use the money on. So. I don't know, but yeah, like, so for me, it was romantic, it, like, but the romantic, the rom- the most romantic scene again, though, for me, it was just, he shows up, he's doing the dishes. Yeah. She's relieved. You know, she has someone to help her in this very mm-hmm. stressful situation. Like so beautiful.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, <laughs> any more to say about that or should we go on to a little bit about the book before we get to the double features?
1: I want to hear you tear this book
0: apart. <laughs> yes. Do it. Okay, so yeah, so well, I want Serena to be able to have her say too, but I I guess I'll lead with mine because I did I did read it recently. Um, So I read this book recently for the first time, and the book came out in two thousand four. Again, it was written by Greg Barrent and Liz Tuchilo, and it's more the book is more or less structured around Greg giving advice as a married man, and Liz is the single woman who needs advice, and they have these also these kind of fake advice questions and stories. I think they're based on people they know, but none of them are like actual people writing in or anything. I think they actually say that in the book. And then they have like success stories of women who are ditching guys. There's very rarely any success stories of somebody hooking up with a guy successfully. OK, like most of the success stories are just like, oh, she dumped him. Good for her. Right. Um, the basic thesis of the book is base- is kind of summed up by Barrent at one point. Quote, when a guy is into you, he lets you know it. He calls, he shows up. He wants to meet your friends. He can't keep his eyes or hands off of you. And when it's time to have sex, he's more than overjoyed to oblige. And it goes on with some other signs that he's into you. Um, The main problem for me is actually chapter one. Okay, so chapter one starts out, he's just not that into you if he's not asking you out. And the chapter actually says that women should not ask guys out and that it basically never works out when they do. And the reason I don't like this is it's completely opposed to my entire dating life. Okay. I have had a lot of relationships and they have all started either with me asking the guy out or with us kind of mutually asking each other out, you know, where you're kind of like both feeling into the situation and then something happens. But like, I've always been an assertive person and I've been in a lot of relationships that have been two years or longer successful relationships that ended for whatever reason, but it wasn't usually because the guy wasn't into me. Right. It was like, because We had differences or you know we moved away from each other so i find this chapter one wrong and insulting and also like counterproductive quite honestly we've come so far from the place where like women weren't supposed to be assertive and this is like trying to push people back into that place women back into that place of not being assertive and quite frankly if i had waited for the types of guys who were asking me out and only dated them I would not be married for one thing. And I would have had to date a lot of dudes who I was just not interested in at all. I think it's so empowering to be the person who asks people out, the person who pursues, because then you can choose who you're interested in. And so I just, chapter one, just like right away gave me like a, Ugh. so we can, we can address that before we move on to anything else, I guess. What do you think about this idea that like um, women shouldn't ask people out, that men will always ask you out? I, I think that's bullshit. <laughs>
2: I think that like what? Are, yeah, I was really shocked. I was really shocked to read that right off the bat. I'm like, this does feel like all, frankly, the Christian dating books that were circulating <laughs> around when I was in college. It was very much like everybody has their roles and men roles and lady roles. Don't cross those gender lines and whatever. And it's like, so you're yeah, sitting around and twiddling your thumbs. I don't know. I was really shocked at how he calls himself conventional i was like oh i call you conservative i don't know what you're it was
0: shocking shocking i say jason is the resident dude here like what do you think about this and you could be honest i'm not going to tear into you if you if you agree that most guys will ask people out but I'm, I'm just like what do you think like have most of your relationships been like you ask someone out or like what, what do you think about if a girl asks you out
1: most of my relationships had have been, yeah, me asking the girl out. But I would never say that this should be a rule. Like, if you like somebody, no matter what your gender is, ask them out. And for a book like this to say that, like, it's instantly kind of disregarding all non-male-female oh, yeah. relationships, too. <laughs>
0: yeah. that is also a very good point. Yes, very heteronormative, very. Yeah. Like, um, it would not play today in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> no yeah and like just out of curiosity serena and sophia your relationships have they been initiated by you or other parties more often
3: um honestly honestly the relationships that did not work out and were the most detrimental to me were the ones that i pursued
0: okay so you're agreeing with them then and and and
3: not because i'm not i i was gung-ho like i was yeah yeah but for you know, you know, in your life, you kind of pick up these little tidbits of like advice, you know, that kind of yeah, that yeah. kind of stick with you. Someone somewhere gave me some advice and they said that the best relationship between a man and a woman, I guess, that is going to work out for you is if the, the man in the relationship likes you a little, just a little bit more than you like them. <laughs> I, I'd heard that too, <laughs> and 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 I I didn't really believe it because there were times where I was just like I just adored someone, like I just loved them. I was mm-hmm. so in love with them. I was so obsessed with them, and they were like everything that I could ever possibly want. But then mm-hmm. they just mm-hmm. didn't feel that way about me, and I realized that I needed to find someone that had those feelings about me, and that yeah, I, and that I necessarily it. It doesn't seem to really matter that much. I mean, not that I don't feel that way about them, but it's like them feeling that way about me makes it not matter, like what I necessarily think about them. Does that make sense? I don't know. I don't feel like I'm making myself clear, but you know I think, what I mean. I think
0: it makes. I think. I think it makes sense as a philosophy, and I've certainly heard a lot of people say like similar things. Like for me, I think I've been in a lot of relationships where like that position kind of changes or like is roughly the same. Like both people like each other the same. Or like sometimes it changes. Like one person will like the other one more and it goes back and forth a little bit, which I think is kind of actually inevitable. Like I try not to measure it though, honestly, <laughs> too yeah. much. I think maybe for me another thing is that like, yeah, I think I've been rejected about nine times out of ten that I've asked somebody out, but that one time it makes the other times worth it. You know what I mean? I don't mm. think it's necessarily a gendered thing necessarily that's causing these women asking men out relationships not to work so much as like, um, Women maybe aren't asking enough people, or are comfortable enough being rejected. You know I, what I
3: mean? I realize. Good point, Jen. I realize now, like in my like older age, that I I don't like being the pursuer. Like I thought okay. I did. Like I thought I wanted to be, but but I actually realized that I don't. I I want someone to ask me out and to be the initiator and to be like that's like oh yeah i I, I like you i want you i'd i'd rather do that but like i i mean that's just personal this is my personal experience over you know
0: no no i'm not saying i don't like that i I would prefer that i would prefer if guys were like coming after me right but like when like when i was like dating and stuff like the guys who would come after me i i'm sorry i'm sorry to say but most of them were freaks okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not, not, good, not good freaks yeah. like yeah. Weird, we, weird freaks that like the Wiccan at the wedding okay yeah. like I would yeah. be with the Wiccan at the wedding and I and I like Wicca too no offense to Wicca it's just the way they right, made eye right, right. in the movie but like you know that type of thing and so like I took and like I was always this tall girl I was always very opinionated and smart and like, I do think I possibly intimidated some guys too. Like they, the book says that's a lie that you never intimidate anyone, but come on. There are shy guys out there. There are people who are intimidated and yeah. So it's worked out for me. So I guess that's why like right away this book, I'm like, mm. but yeah, I can see if it, it probably is a truism for other people though, in this, by the same token. So yeah. like other parts of the book, I did find more relatable, like, or useful. Like the parts about if he's not calling you, if he's not dating you. You know, those things make sense. Like if somebody's just repeatedly not calling you, you have to cut your losses at some point. If somebody's not agreeing to be in a relationship, you have to say, "Hey, like I need this for me." You need to set that boundary. Um, we get a little more complicated if he's not having sex with you. Okay, like it's it's kind of suggesting that every guy's going to want to have sex immediately as soon as the opportunity arises, which like there are guys who are, you know, more asexual or demisexual or have lower sex drives than women. So it's really, again, gender essentialism that wouldn't work today. Mm -hmm. And then we go on, like, there's obvious stuff, like if he's having sex with someone else, although I do appreciate that he made an allowance for people who are in open relationships specifically. So good, good job there. Um, If he only wants to see you when he's drunk, if he doesn't want to marry you. If he's breaking up with you, he advises people not to get back together with people who broke up with him. So there's a bunch of more. But what I'm going to say right now is that my husband, who is like a wonderful man and very good to me, he like they have like nine rules that you're supposed to set for guys at one time or another. He broke six of them. okay. and I had people when we were first dating telling me, don't be with this guy. He's not going to commit to you. It's not going to work out. You got to dump him. Like if I had read this book and taken its advice seriously or taken my friend's advice seriously at the time, I would not be with Lee. And he's perfect for me. We're perfect together. So I I think like there's a point at which you have to trust your gut as well. You know, and I think there's a difference between your gut and your wishful thinking. And if you're really in touch with it, you can kind of tell what that is. I think there are exceptions. Like this movie had to make two exceptions to make us want to watch it essentially. Right. And, and these exceptions exist. And I think these exceptions are kind of like predominant in rom-coms and we all kind of hope for that, you know, like this kind of magical love where people are flawed and maybe they don't act perfectly, but it works out. I don't know. And I believe in that because I have it. I have experienced it. Um, what do you guys think? Am I being like too like pie in the sky here? Am I have I been too biased by my relationship?
2: No, I think I think things are nuanced. You know, there are like, I think. Things like he only wants to see you when he's drunk. Yeah, that's probably a good tip. Don't he's, <laughs> you don't want that in your life. But yeah, you know your you know your situation, and I, I appreciate that that it's not so cookie cutter and black and white.
1: I think really the the only thing that you need to worry about on all of those rules is that question. Ask yourself one question only: Is he making you happy? You know, Mm. I think that's, that's the, the best question to ask.
0: And honestly, there was a period where Lee wasn't making me happy too. So I'll say say maybe you shouldn't follow my advice. (laughs) Maybe it is just a exceptional exception, but like, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of a believer in, if you know something in your gut, if you know something in your soul, like maybe that's worth believing in. Right. Like, so yeah, the, the book, it has its points. It also has things that I don't agree with um serena so serena did you still have like kind of after hearing about it more do you still kind of have an overall positive feeling like i know mean, it's not really fair to ask you since you haven't read it in so long but like what I do mean, you think
3: i i am inter- it is interesting to me like because i because in 2004 when this came out i was 23 i guess so mm-hmm. you know definitely in that demographic in that age demographic now as like a 40 year old i I see things completely different, but as a 23 mm-hmm. year old, like this, this basic stuff is kind of helpful because you don't, mm. you don't, you don't know, yeah. even even with a married man, like, you know what I mean? Like even that stuff seems kind of like at 23 years old, you're like, yeah, but oh, well, you know what I mean? So like, I, I think taking it into like account of who this is geared towards, that yeah some Mm. of that stuff could be helpful but of course like as you get older it's it almost comes to the point where you're you want to say like who cares if he's just not that into you like just just love yourself girl you know what i mean like all of that stuff almost seems like obsolete at this point because like who fucking cares like just live your life
0: so this 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 book like it has its points i think like serena said like when you're like first dating maybe you need someone to kind of give you this tough love advice but at the same time, I think there's a lot that's dated for um, 2023, certainly. And yeah, and I, I, listeners, I advise you to ask guys out. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. And if, and if you hear like a little, a little mystical voice telling you that this guy's the one, like you go for that shit. Okay, I'm not going to be responsible for any of the bad things that result from this, but that's my advice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do our double feature recommendations now. And I'm going to start out with mine. I chose two movies that had actors from this movie. The first one is Something Borrowed from 2011, which features Jennifer Goodwin. And I love this movie. It's a romantic comedy, but it's a little bit of a different story than your usual rom-com. There's like some dramatic elements in it as well. Jennifer Goodwin stars in it alongside Kate Hudson, and they play these like childhood friends. And they are both into the same guy. Uh, Jennifer Goodwin had met them when they were students together and unbeknownst to her, he was really into her. But then, um, Jennifer Goodwin like flubs her chance to be on a date with him and basically gives the guy over to Kate Hudson, who is now getting married to him. It comes out that he had always had a crush on her. And now Jennifer Goodwin starts an affair with her best friend's fiance, who she knew first. Sorry, that's very convoluted, but it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting story. It's very complex Um, the friendship is just as important as the romantic relationship in the movie, but I found it very romantic. I found the chemistry between Jennifer Goodwin and the male lead who I'm sorry, I forgot to write down his name, but I found their chemistry really great. And it also has John Krasinski in a supporting role, which is good. And yeah, I just, I love this rom-com. I've watched it numerous times. I like how it explores both romance and friendship. And have any of you guys seen this one? No, I saw it once. Okay. So Sophia, no. you're not a fan, so I can tell. I can you're tell right. just the way you say things. <laughs> well, well I like I, how you know me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I love this one. So I would I would give it a go. Like you've got one of us that likes it, one of us doesn't like it. You can use your judgment of our past opinions to decide whether you will like it or not. And then my second double feature recommendation is Accepted from two thousand six, which stars Justin Long. And this is not really a rom com. This is a more like a comedy like Kind of a situation i'm going to ask you right away jason have you seen accepted
1: i have this is uh steve pink's first movie i think he's the writer of gross point blank and high fidelity
0: oh no okay i did not realize that okay cool so accepted is this really interesting concept comedy where justin long doesn't get accepted into college And rather than telling his parents this news, which he knows will devastate them and get him in trouble, he makes up an entire fake university and with letterhead and everything, and he gives his parents the acceptance notice. He makes a website, he does a campus tour, everything. But then it turns out that other people have applied to his fake university, and so now he's left in a situation where he has to create an actual university out of nothing. And it's got—it's just a, a really funny comedy. There's so many good actors in it. Again, I'm totally like blanking on them. Who's the older guy who's like the comedian? Do you remember Jason? Uh,
1: yeah, Lewis Black's in there.
0: Yeah, we got Lewis. We got Lewis Black in this movie. I believe Jonah Hill's in this movie. I think Blake Lively <laughs> plays Justin Long's like romantic interest. So there is a romance romance story also and they're really they have good chemistry in it and it's really funny like the courses they make up for this university and the rules they make up we used it as one of the movies my students did presentations on in korea and they fucking loved it because they live in such a rigid (laughs) educational system that this idea of making up your own college and courses loved it so this is just a fun movie like lighthearted movie and it's one of my favorite um justin long appearances so yeah i recommend accepted from 2006
3: all right, so um, I picked two Jennifer Aniston movies because I think she really, in this time frame, she's really shining. Like, I feel like there's a, a lot of really good movies that are coming out with her. And both these movies happen to come out in 2006. So the first one is The Breakup. Um, it's her and Vince Vaughn. It's a really funny movie about this couple that breaks up and then are trying to stay in their... Condo, I guess it is, or their <laughs> yeah. their apartment. So they're trying to keep their apartment, and they go through these things to try to get rid of the other one. Um, and it, it's 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 pretty funny. And then I actually want to talk more about uh the next movie, which is Friends with Money. Have you guys seen this movie? yes but i don't remember it. it well yeah, yeah. i yeah. love this movie this might be my favorite jennifer aniston movie um it has mm. a, a really great cast it has francis mcdormand is in it um mm-hmm. joan kuzak is in it katherine keener is in it i love this concept and it, maybe because this is something that like i can relate to when you have friends that you've had for a really long time and then you end up being in different financial demographics and mm. how how that changes your relationships and your viewpoints of each other and and what that does so it just explores these different women's lives and it explores women's lives that are in I guess I'm guessing like their forties, which a lot of times you don't necessarily see that portrayed a lot in movies is, you know, women in their forties, what they're going through. It's really funny. There is some, there's some love scenes in it. And if you haven't seen this movie, I completely recommend it. It's called friends with money. 2006. I picked for this, for like a theme
2: of dating and the rules of dating i was reminded of swingers from 1996 also with vince vaughn who serena recommended in the breakup it was their breakout it was his breakout vince vaughn and john favreau they wrote Mm -hmm. it and started it. and i still enjoy watching it it's extremely dated talk about (laughs) i mean there are no cell phones so but Funny to see like a scene and people trying to understand dating and relationships and my next one is some kind of wonderful from nineteen eighty seven as referenced in uh he's just not that into you yes. when uh, Gigi's watching it because that's from my way youth you know, gosh, I was young and thinking high school people were like, Wow, is that what high school love is like <laughs> <laughs> um Classic, Eric Stoltz, Leah Thompson, and Mary Stuart Masterson.
0: And who did we say directed? Oh, John Hughes wrote it, but he didn't direct it. I can't remember. John Hughes wrote, wrote it. it there all. you yeah, go. My head. And actually, Sophia, I want to put in a note. Um, we're mm-hmm. going to do a high school series later in this year. And I'm, and that is on the list, 100% on the list. So just saying. So good.
1: Uh, all right. My double features. <laughs> I was going for a definite theme here as well. Uh my first one was let's envision Ben and Anna, how that relationship could have gone a different way in 1987's Fatal Attraction, which uh also stars oh, it stars Michael Douglas as a uh, a married man and he has a fling with a woman named Alex, played by Glenn Close. And it goes from aggressive pursuit to obsessive stalking. Uh very, very fun movie. And if you want a connection to This movie that we talked about, um, Poison Ivy from 1992 Mm. is another one that was Mm -hmm. billed as the teen Fatal Attraction at one point and stars Drew Barrymore as Ivy.
2: Yeah, I really I actually
0: prefer Poison Ivy to to, um, Fatal Attraction for whatever reason. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting um, nuance to performance by Drew Barrymore. And then you've got Sarah Gilbert and her friendship is also so interesting in that. So yeah, those are. I'm going to give that to you as an extra honorary double feature recommendation for bringing that up. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And then, uh, you know, we're we're talking about he's not that into you. What if he was really into you with the cable guy in 1996, a uh, obsessive cable guy played wonderfully by Jim Carrey in this black comedy who uh, he will not take no for an answer for becoming Matthew Broderick's friend. It's uh, really, really funny, directed by Ben Stiller and a very talented filmmaker.
0: Now, for a second, I thought you were going to connect that to Gigi and you were going to be like, what if Gigi got even a little more extra and she became like a cable guy?
1: <laughs> I was- oh, it, it could be. It could be. That's perfect.
0: I was wondering where you're going with that. And I'm going to say also that I think The Cable Guy is the only movie out of these that we've recommended before on the show, I think with Reality Bites, because it was directed by Ben Stiller also. So. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So thank you guys all so much for your fantastic double features and for this like great ranking episode. Um, Jason, do you want to tell people where they can find your podcast again, Force 5?
1: Yeah, anywhere you're listening to this, Force 5 podcast or force5podcast.com. And if you want to follow me on social media, it's force, at Force 5 pod on Twitter.
0: Yeah, and really, guys, definitely check out Jason's show. Like, I, I, I shouldn't pick favorites maybe, but like yours is my favorite podcast to listen to other than our own Aww. podcast. It really is. Like, I think you just mm-hmm. do a great show and I love the top five format that you guys have going over there. Well, not you guys, you're one person, but you and your guest <laughs> host have going. Um, yeah, and so for upcoming for every rom-com, we've got one more episode in our self-help series, Think Like a Man, after which we are moving into musicals musicals with rom-com elements. Sophia, are you excited? So jazzed. I'm doing jazz hands right now. That is fantastic. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and um, goodbye. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.